Start doing you. that song. When did that start? When are people I'm, singing I'm, that? I don't know. Forever. Not forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't seventy the, years uh, maybe? Huh? Didn't the uh, like property just expire? No, so I think they found out that the person old? didn't really have copyright on it. Who oh. was claiming they had copyright? But like, I think for he's a jolly good fellow. I think that may have been more common sometime back for mm-hmm. birthdays and stuff. I don't know. And also, I think our like celebrating of birthdays is is maybe a more modern thing. Really, the way people do it, yeah. I don't think people were doing this in the same way in like 1860, which is the year before the Civil War. I don't know why I pulled that out of my ass, but okay, <laughs> I don't know either. But they've been doing it since 1983, which is when I was born. Um, for she's a jolly in the girl. 80s, made in the 80s, made in yep. the 80s. So, this is Made in the 80s, and I'm Shalia, and who are you guys? I'm Tim. I'm Kendon. All right, uh, folks, it's my birthday episode. We're doing Mr. Rogers. I'm excited to talk about it. We're going to talk about it soon. I'll put the timestamp in the show notes, but first, what's the news? I have zero news. Zero news? Kendon? I have zero news. Other okay. than apparently they showed clips of uh, Marvel's the Eternals, and it looks really good. Yay! That's all I know. Well, I so I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll see the footage at some point, but... It's about a year, a year out. Okay. So it'll. I we'll have see something. Yeah. Um, oh, the one thing I I kind of did here is apparently they might be going forward with another Dragon Ball Z live action. Oh. Which, let's see. I the, the most recent Dragon Ball Z movies that have been out like based on like Dragon Ball Super, I think that I've gone to. They're usually limited release, like for a week or so. Mm-hmm. I went with a friend Jared on the, to the last one. Mm-hmm. Have been really fun. So, um, this is the first live action, though, right? No, there have been live action before. There's been at least one one before this, and it was ridiculously, stupidly not even uh, how do you say representative. Of- I think it'd be hard to make Dragon Ball Z live action just because, like, the humor. Oh, actually, <laughs> I am used to the other thing, the unabridged. So I was like, the, the humor is kind the of yeah. different, but anyway. That's cool. The little bit of news I had was just I wanted to comment on. I had heard this episode's getting released a good week after we're recording it right now. So oh no, she's she's already, telling she's oh, telling the secrets how the, how, how the sauce, sauce is made. made. Um, so this isn't like news, and maybe more people have done it since. But Eva DuVernay had said that like basically eleven, at least eleven people basically have congratulated her on um, making such great films in Harriet and in Queen and Slim. And I just think it's really interesting because she didn't direct either of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of, I mean, I'm not surprised that she mentioned it and like pointed that out. But I just, I don't know. It just got me thinking. I wanted to mention it. Did we already talk about the, the whole rumor about who was supposedly going to play Harriet? Is that Was that disproven Julia or what? Julia Roberts. Not disproven. Uh, it just was a meeting that someone threw it on ID. I think it's been overstated, but. Okay. That, that she wouldn't she wouldn't necessarily play Harriet. That it would be a movie about a white abolitionist who did very similar. Things. There we go. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds like something mm-hmm. we've seen before. Mm-hmm. That so makes the protagonist sense. of Harriet Tubman's story would have been Julia Roberts. Yeah. As a, oh, that's totally believable. Still whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I was like, like but, but I was literally hearing she was going to she play was going to play Harriet, Harriet Tubman, like, what? and I was like, we have gone 
way off of the deep end in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. The fuck are you talking about? That yeah. makes much more sense. What is it recently they created a like a, a non-existent white character? They do it all the time. Hidden figures. Hidden figures. They do it all the time. Yeah. That yeah, that's just the, the biggest right? one that comes yeah, yeah. to mind right time. now. Yep. Okay. That's the only news I had. What are you guys up to? What are you been thinking about, doing, talking to? Talking well, I'm about? feeling real good right now because I just gave a big presentation for my research to my peers and all. Thank you and all of the the professors at the the joint departments. I was freaking out. Um, you worked really hard on it. Thank you. There is a thing apparently that procrastination and perfectionism are actually connected. I spent the entire time reading papers and all this stuff feeling like I wasn't doing enough and like, oh, like I'm messing up, I'm messing up, I'm messing up. And I'm not saying I did everything perfect, but I think what what happened was that like fear or whatever pushed me to like like read more papers than I needed. I was overcompensating. Mm-hmm. And once I got up there and I got out of my own way, like I, I calm like I, I even my mor- the morning when I gave my practice talk, it was still rough. And I went up there and I said to myself, I, you can't do a bad job. Like I stood up there in my head. I was like, you can't do a bad job. This is too important. And there were people were like, Oh, you seemed a little nervous at the beginning, but you gave a, like, I've been getting a lot of, like, you did a really good presentation. So that has made me feel like good. But that also goes to what have I been doing other than reading a shit ton of papers on kidney stones, <laughs> um, is listening to Kanye West's graduation. On ro- like constant rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and this is kind of tied to our, um, you know, Mr. Rogers, because first of all, graduation is very inspiring to me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he's very, very arrogant through the entire thing. Yes. But the names of a lot of the songs are real, like, and the themes behind a lot of the songs are basically about believing in yourself. It's maybe a little corny to be saying now, but like, it's about believing in yourself. One of his songs is "Everything I, uh, Everything I'm Not Made Me Everything I Am." When right? Kevin picked me up the day after his uh, presentation, he was playing "Good Life." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> "Good Life," um, "Good Morning," "Champion," uh, "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger." Like, if you just like are trying to get some work done or moving from doing one thing to the other, and you're just trying to keep yourself driven, it's a really good album for that. It's mm-hmm. my favorite album by him, and maybe one of my top ten. Or so favorite albums ever, um, and he's just really feeling himself through the entire thing. And I don't tend to think of myself as nearly that type of arrogant of a person, or like full of myself. I don't know. Shalia gives me half a look sometimes, but I just allowed it to click with me, and w- and it really helped drive me to like do the best job I could possibly do. Um, and that also ties in, like I was saying, with um, Mr. Rogers, because it's like. He, de- I was like, did he really listen to Mr. Rogers? And Shalia's like, he definitely did. <laughs> Mr. Rogers is like, you're great just the way you are. You're and Kanye special. was like, I guy. am great. <laughs> However I am. I am. No, I'm very great. He took all that messaging. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and somebody did say like in the last couple of years where he started to do all this stupid MAGA or whatever he's up to. And someone was like, you guys, he's the same guy. He's been saying the same thing for like a decade and a half he showed you who he was Mm -hmm. he's somebody who's really feeling himself and um it's a little vulgar but the line from the song power Mm -hmm. where he says i don't need your pussy bitch i'm on my own dick (laughs) 
is like this is like the encapsulation of him. Is that like our asexual conversation not long ago? Like I don't need you. I'm just I'm just never me. Never mind. I was thinking about a letter. But, no, you're kind podcast. of right though. That is a funny way to look at it. But th- I don't know if you if you're in a place where you just really want to be pumped up, listening to a, like a Kanye West album, one of these, those earlier ones. You could do worse. Thanks for that. I'm gonna try to do it next time I have like a big writing project. I'll, uh, I have to go through six thousand documents soon. I'm gonna play that while I'm doing it. Yes. We'll see. See how I get through it. You should start with the good life. Start. Okay. Because you are, we are, we should remind ourselves like we're very like lucky, blessed, whatever type of term you use. We are living the good life. Like yeah. we're not. I don't know, we're music video people or anything like that, but we're all, we're, we're happy, we're doing well. Speaking of music video people, Tim, have you watched music videos recently? No, I don't watch videos. Okay, so, well, we were at a party last night and, like, MTV was on. Ugh. Um, and it was 90s. Like, it was not from the 90s, but what was happening. So, who was in it? Kyle? I think it was Kyle and Kyla- Kalani. Is that her? Um, and I think it was playing with me. I don't know. I, yeah, it was. It was bizarre. I was just like, "What is this?" Because, because the nineties is the eighties yeah. for for uh, and, uh, the generation directly behind us. <laughs> well, that's the funny part. <laughs> like directly, be- like before. So I looked up at the um, screen, and there was some kind of like nineties looking thing going on. It reminded me of Eminem old videos like it anyway that and then i looked up again and it was this and i was just like what's going on what's going on kids yeah okay which is funny because a lot of the people we're hanging out with are just at the right age for the 90s to be their version of the 80s absolutely yeah all right tim what are you up to nah nothing watching a bunch of movies it's holiday season holiday party season it is holiday i haven't been (laughs) in yet we need to set our tree up uh yeah we should should Uh, i love this part time of year yeah it's it's good. It's nice. Like this is the nice part where you can still get into it, but you can do it slowly. You don't like. It's not a urgency. We need to get the tree up. We need to do all of this stuff. It's like we could do that today, and that would be nice. I have um, a question for each of you. Huh? How many white Christmases have you had in Seattle? A handful, a couple. I think it might only be a couple. And I know that there's one. I think it was like two or three years ago. Because I was looking oh, this we're up. Still in the apartment. Hmm. So there's been, a, I, I don't think there's been more than like five since I've moved here in the 80s. Yeah, I just think of that as like a different place they're talking about when they sing those songs. Yeah, no, it, it is. I just, I'm not saying anything other than I'm curious if you, how many you can remember and to what degree does that mean Christmas to you? Nah, none. No. Nope. It um, usually means January-ish to me. Like yeah. we do always get... I don't know if I can think of a year where we didn't get snow one day, but it's never around when it needs to be around. You need it for Christmas. I, I actually I really don't would love want that. snow on a Christmas because then you can't travel. Like we have so many places to get, so many things to do. Snow would be wonderful, but if it was like snow, snow where we could actually do something with it, we might get personally. In. I'd be fine doing it the next day. I just a, a snowy Christmas would like right, well, sit maybe home this year. With hot with like a hot cocoa. The fire going and us with the cats and the family, like at home, because now we like, have a house. And we look out, like as opposed to the apartment where like the snow is all going to be dirty by the time we wake up. Or like it's it's different. Okay, so I want Kendon a white is Christmas. Is what I'm for saying. A white Christmas, folks. Santa, here, Kendon's uh, here, Kendon's wish here. Um, yeah. So 
when this so we haven't done it yet but when this comes out the things that i will have been up to because since it's my birthday week is tim and i are going to go watch jumanji and spoiler alert yeah. we're going to love it hmm. jumanji <laughs> next level i'm so excited so excited and then we also need to watch the first one it's good this comes out yeah no i'm excited too the first one no yes we're gonna do okay. that yes um and then also when this comes out ken and i are gonna have seen trevor noah and I'm yes. really excited about that. Good. Tacoma Dome. Yep. Ugh, I hate Tacoma Dome. I do too. It's such a bad venue. It's a oh, bad right, venue. It's we're, too big. Julia, we're but... at a really interesting angle. Oh, great. <laughs> I was like, okay, have you got those tickets yet? It's have you got those venue. tickets yet? Have you got I those mean, it's tickets it's a lot of people. It's just not a good venue. <laughs> um, Even by the time you said you wanted to go, the same four sections were the ones that are open. But, or, mm. yeah. Mm. So, I think, I don't know, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be funny. I'm excited. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I'll have been to many holiday parties by the time this is out. Right. Uh, I've skipped some already. Starting but... tomorrow, right? Is the yeah. Town Red uh, a Christmas? No, it's a fundraiser. I don't think it's Christmas. It's not necessarily it's Christmas. There's one next no. Saturday. Yeah, there is. Are you going? I'm going for sure. Yeah, I have I have a holiday party in Olympia, so I don't think we're gonna make it back up in time. But I'll be there for sure. Yeah, maybe. I'm surprised it's Saturday. I don't know why I've been thinking those parties would be on Sunday. Saturday. It's Saturday. <laughs> okay, so that's what we're up to. You guys ready to visit Mr. Rogers' mm-hmm. neighborhood? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? So, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood uh, started in 1968, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not made in the 80s, but made us, right? Kids it, of the 80s yeah. definitely influenced mm-hmm. to us um, and ran through the 80s. Oh, yeah. So, uh, for this week's episode, what we did, friends, was we watched the documentary that came out last year. And Tim's going to give us a little more information about that. Um, and it was available on HBO. And then we also watched some episodes from the 80s um, that were running in the 80s. And so we're going to talk about those, too. So first, let's start with the documentary. Um, Tim, Won't can you, you tell be? us... My neighbor. My neighbor. <laughs> Could you be? Um, can you tell us a little bit about who made that documentary and kind of what's, what it's about? Well, it's essentially a documentary about uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred yeah. Rogers. And it's directed by Morgan Neville, who I talked to him when he was here for SIF that year. For the for this film, and one of the things that he said was they had like this vault of all this stuff, yeah. and he was just like, "I wanted to make the story." They're like, "Yeah, we wanted to, we want people to tell the story. We're just waiting for the right person to come around and like." He was to to, was to tell right an person. honest story, right? Because people people constantly, even now, when you talk about Mister Rogers, people are like, he people dis, which is kind of the framing for the new film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is. This guy goes to interview him who thinks all oh, this is sort of hogwash. This mm-hmm. is just an act. Yeah. How can mm-hmm. he be a real person? Yeah. And so when you see this documentary, when Morgan Neville was, was telling me, was like people go in with the perception that ah, he was a he was a sniper. He did his other things. And I like, was waiting for it to be like pedo, right? Like yeah. that's the joke yeah, that that's I'm. That's the joke. Because like, you're like, was he a sniper? For. It was none of that. It was a guy. Well. Well, he served, think, didn't he? But I don't he wasn't. He no. Did he serve? Like, I don't know. Because he, he said he went to seminary. He was a senior. Yeah. In high school, and then he went to seminary, or then he went into TV, and then he went to seminary. I don't know that he had space in there to go to war. Yeah, not necessarily go to war. He may have served. I was under the impression okay. for some yeah. reason. Bo- uh, I know Bob Ross was. I mean, a <laughs> lot, a lot of people served during that time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just. I don't remember them mentioning it in the documentary, at least. So maybe he did. Um, 
so yeah, so this documentary sort of covers, spans his his show, his life, the impact he's had on people, uh, and sort of a bit of the backlash that he got from some networks about he's telling everyone they're important and you're making people feel a certain way, yeah. and it's it's one of the uglier parts in the film. Yeah, because you see him just pouring into people all this love, and it steps back and it shows this new segment where they're like, "Is Mister Rogers bad for the country?" Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Wait, wait, what?" Kendon, do you have breaking news yeah. for us? I mean, I was looking, I was just checking to see whether he had military service or anything. His middle name is McFeely. Oh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So, Mr. McFeely, the speedy delivery guy, is yeah. his middle name. That makes sense, right? So, one of the things. So much of docu- this is about him. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, one of the things the documentary talks about is like how he was really sick as a kid. So, he would, like, for just different reasons. And so, he would end up in bed a lot sick. And so, he mm-hmm. would just basically be in make believe a lot. So, it makes sense. Like, Mr. McFeely being one of the characters in his imagination because that's his middle name right so the first ever episode they're dealing with yeah friday building a wall because he doesn't like change like change keeping people out it was insane and apparently it was like about vietnam slash cold war stuff that was going Mm -hmm. on and so it was like the people in make-believe the um in the town of make-believe were like we don't want we don't want war we want peace how do we send a message because he's building this like barbed wire wall up and so they like create balloons and send messages of peace to him he's like paratroopers yeah we're being bombed yeah he's like shoot him down but then they read it and they're like oh it can we can be peaceful that's okay like that was the first week it's amazing i um this documentary came out last year right yeah and if it wasn't like we know that it's true but it seemed like a despotic leader wanting to put up walls to, to keep out change. Like it's so timely, but mm-hmm. it, it was something that was done way back when. But it's like predictive of the way certain trains of thought end up. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, it's a very like he. One thing that I kind of pulled from the documentary what it was showing us was like, okay, so he's going to try to address what he thinks is going on for kids, right? Like his yeah. whole thing isn't like, it's not political. He's not trying to change adults' minds or change what the, like the world is doing. He's trying to explain this for kids so that they understand what's going on and that they're not um, being harmed by it, like kind of in their mo- like emotions and things. Mm-hmm. And so he sees like, okay, so this is, I think this is a really good example. Like how am I going to demonstrate this? I'm going to use, I'm going to use a wall like because they're talking about I mean, like they're talking about Vietnam. They're not talking about like right now a border wall on our country. Mm -hmm. We weren't talking about that then, I don't think. So it's like he was using that imagery and that kind of to try to explain. I think what he was explaining even more than that was change in the society because Mm -hmm. that was all happening at the same time as Vietnam. Yes. And people, there are certain people who wanted things to stay the same. Yep. So it was partially uh, speaking on Vietnam but also partially speaking on upheaval in society mm-hmm. and Cold i mean because we're too. talking about like we're a few years removed from civil rights act yeah mm-hmm. like we're not that far away from yeah, it no. when, when his show starts yep that's right and so it's like it, i mean 68 is when it starts right so yeah. like so there's that one and it, he like is thinking about ways to like get it across the kids and then yeah fast forward here we are in in 20 almost 2020 and talking about building a wall like it's just it's just bizarre how but, clear clear it was then I think you made a really good point earlier, right? He wasn't trying to make a political Mm-mm. thing. He was really concerned about the kids. He was a Republican. And they make it, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> so he was he was a Republican, 
which kind of even meant a bit of a different thing than I than it so, does yeah. now. Oh, for but sure. he was he cared about the chil- uh, he cared about children and wanting them to grow up to be healthy, like at least emotionally healthy, mm-hmm. right? Because they he, their their world and their emotions were important, but not with the end of them joining his like his political beliefs right i never got that it was even like you know healthy children are good because they're going to be the future of the world not because they're going to back my ideas my idea of the way the world needs to be politically about it yeah like a minister right so that's something that i didn't know know documentary like he's actually a a minister but he wasn't he wasn't converting to a certain religion right Mm -hmm. he was just like these are the these are the messages that i want kids to understand but the piece to me was like I thought, yes, he wants he wants to help let these kids grow up into being healthy adults. But I also was just like thinking he was a little bit in the moment of he also knows that there are like souls out there hurting and like wanting to address that moment in time too. like, I want this kid to be okay. This kid's feelings are as important as it's a it's parents feelings you're right, yeah. Yeah. and that like i know that you're going through trauma and harm and all of these things and i want to make you feel better yeah. and take care of you right now like r- acknowledging that there's just like this gap and of, of people who aren't getting the support that they needed so something interesting so i interviewed morgan neville and i is a, a so brief, cool that you a brief excerpt had you before you did you see the documentary before you interviewed him yeah okay yeah i watched right. it like the day before cool um, one of the things he talked about is like, was that Mr. Rogers is really into Bob Marley. Of course he was. That was the thing he was into. Do you think he ever got high? I don't yeah, think so. I, don't know. I think he was like that that like guy who was yeah. on that level. Remember, we were like we were looking out. at X the the X the uh, the owl and yeah. how his like eyes are super droopy. Super high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so this is a real quick a real quick excerpt from the interview I did with him. What I said. <clears throat> We're having a, it's sort of a conversation. I didn't really ask a lot of questions. One thing I said was like, what made Mr. Rogers so great was his ability to speak to kids about serious topics. Mm-hmm. This is what Morgan Neville said, which I thought was fascinating. What he did, this is a quote and quote Morgan Neville. What he did was revolutionary. What he did that was revolutionary was he, he didn't condescend to kids. He talked yeah. to kids like they were real people. He realized kids are smart. Kids, yeah. kids know when bad things happen. If you tell kids not to worry about something, it doesn't mean they aren't going to worry. The thing you should do is explain to them in a way they can process. That's what he did the whole time. Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers thing was to attack fear. He thought fear was really the thing that drove anger, hatred, and resentment. If you can quell fear, you can promote love. When he would come across someone who did something horrible, the first question would always be, I wonder what happened in their life that made them want to act that way. He was always trying to understand if someone did something terrible, the natural instinct would be to dismiss them. What he often quoted was something Christ said on the cross, the thing that, quote, the thing that evil cannot stand is forgiveness. He believed in the idea of grace. Grace is defined as the undeserved goodness bestowed upon you by God. In practice, to be kind to someone, not because they deserve it or you expect anything, but to be kind. By doing, <clears throat> by doing that, you create a virtuous circle where people are kind to each other. I feel like we now, <clears throat> we now have this vicious circle in our culture that's fed on, upon resentment. It's the exact opposite of what Fred Rogers was preaching. I think it's so, so right. this idea of being kind for the sake of being mm-hmm. kind. Just and being just, kind of, and that you don't want anything in return. You're just kind to people because it's the thing to do. And this idea that like everybody is worthy and special and valuable and yeah. all of that. And like, 
benefit of the doubt, right? Like, some, I wonder what's happened. My aunt was once like double parked or parked in a load zone or something. Like, so, she was parked somewhere she wasn't supposed to be. I think like waiting in the car for somebody, and this police officer came up and was just like really rude, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to move. You need you can't be here. But like, was like really like. An asshole I think maybe about it. yeah, an asshole about it. Like maybe writing her a ticket, I don't know, but just like really asshole. And she, her response was just like, "You must have, you must be having a really hard day." And he like paused and was like, "Yeah," and it just like gave him a moment of like awareness. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "I'm sorry." Like it sounds like it seems like you've probably had a really stressful day. And he like completely changed mm-hmm. and was like, "Or yeah, you know, it has been a pretty stressful day. There's a lot of people here and." All this stuff, if you know, if you can just move, um, that would be good. And so she didn't end up with a ticket. He ended up just like dropping some of that shell and that. And I think that's like something that Miss Rogers did really, really well. And if we could channel that and do it too, yeah, it would be really helpful for people all react of really us. strange to the kindness. Yesterday, I was yeah. I was at um, the Figgy Pudding Caroling, which I go to every yeah, year. I, saw so that last I, was, night. I was down there last night, and I'm you know walking around enjoying all the festive Christmas stuff. And there's there's a group of young women trying to take a photograph and get like the Macy's star in the background. Mm-hmm. And I see them failing at trying to do this, right? I said, hey, do you, I, I can take the picture for you. Like, I don't. And the first woman was very hesitant. Like, uh. <laughs> Are you going to start? I was like, friend? okay. Like, I just offered. And then one of the other women in the group was like, don't mind my friend. Yes. Can you take the picture for us? Mind you, there's police all around. Yeah. Literally like, for me to you, there's an officer standing there. Like, I'm not yeah. going to run off with your iPhone 6. So. <laughs> 6? <laughs> so I took the. <laughs> can't throw the number out there. <laughs> so I, so I, I took the picture for them. But, like, that. It it took. It, it struck her as, like, an odd thing that I would offer to take a photo of people I didn't know. Yeah. Because. Not, yeah. It was the right thing to do in the moment. Not, not Nothing other than, like, oh, these people need help. Yeah. Clearly, they need help. Clearly, you need help. You're struggling with this. I I can see as I'm walking past her, I can see it's struggling. I offered to take a picture. We took the picture. It turned out fine. And and she was thankful. I was like, I'm not a criminal. Just Just offering to be nice. I've had had those sort of experiences too, yeah. Hey, actually, didn't that happen? So um, after recording not long ago, we went to get lunch and somebody kind of cut us off as we were pulling into a a McDonald's. Oh, I was going to say an unnamed fast food restaurant. Um, and then that person <laughs> ended up paying for our meal. Yeah, to say, and like, I'll to apologize. Yeah. yeah. And, to, and, that, and that was the message that the cashier told us. Like, okay. yeah, they so, want to say sorry for cutting you off back there. And we weren't even sure if they did, but we were kind of like, oh, what just happened? Um, so Shalia has a bit of like very quick road rage sort of situation. Like, do you get mad? When somebody does like messes up in, when they're driving, she'll be like, err, and I'll often be like, oh, it's not, it's not that big a deal. And it was, and I may have said something like that. It was like, okay, like whatever, yeah, yeah. we're all safe, whatever. Yeah, we weren't that bad. About and it. then, it, it, like, getting mad at people off of some, like, without without seeing like their demeanor. Sometimes I just don't bother to get too upset unless it's something extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um. And then it turned out that the whole thing was diffused in a, like a positive way a few minutes later because they knew that they had done something that mm-hmm. had potentially caused harm or upset to somebody else. And they were really, like, it, it kind of gives you a bit of positivity, faith in, in other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think what, it's, and it's easier, real quick, it's, yeah. I think what, we, what we've what we noticed now in the way information travels, like we, like we were talking a couple weeks ago about the Harriet movie and the way 
the negative portrayals of the film travel mm-hmm. that were inac- yeah. wildly yeah, inaccurate, right. right? But it's easier to sort of dunk on these kind of things left and right and and say what you don't like instead of saying, all right, well, what, what's good in here? Even with yeah, Queen and Slim, there are yeah, people who don't yeah, like Queen yeah. and Slim. That is fine. You don't have to like Queen and Slim. But this, what is Queen and Slim? You guys were mentioning it before. Oh, in my mind, it's the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. They're two people on the run, and apparently, oh. it's nothing like Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, <laughs> where the cop gets killed? Guys, yeah. oh, I want to see that movie. It looks, it looks interesting. It's, it's good. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but I, like I, I, but I understand people who may not like it. But this visceral attack of like, don't go support this. Um, hmm. trying to cancel people over it. like it's so it's such a weird take. Instead of being like, hey, I didn't like it. We it are rewarded. It wasn't for me. Yeah. Socially, we are rewarded for not having a filter between our immediate thought and getting it out to everybody else. Maybe depending yes. on like where you're at. Like what you're by reward, I mean more people are going to engage with you. More people are going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And this ties a bit into if That's we're going back to the movie mm-hmm. is the use of time. So what I really yeah. really liked was showing. Like, all of these other cartoons, not, not even cartoons, but, like, TV shows, people are getting smacked in the face. And human dignity is a thing that I really resonate with as mm-hmm. a theme of something that's important that doesn't get uh, taken seriously enough sometimes. But it, he's right. Like, people are getting knocked in the face, rolling down. Like, all of this really fast, noisy stuff. And they talk about, like, he was do- he, he was doing TV wrong <laughs> from a lot of people's yeah. point of view. And he was like... Here's an egg timer. What is a minute? What is a minute? Yeah. Or here is a turtle just moving yeah. along. It was Take so it different than all the other stuff that was for kids. Like so different. Like I was introduced to Mr. Rogers as a young kid. Obviously, right. Most of right. us were watching the reruns, but we had gotten in trouble one year, <clears throat> me and my brother and sister, for something stupid we did. I don't, it was so dumb. But my dad was so upset. He was like, "You're not watching anything but Channel Nine all summer." That's nice. That's smart of him. He's like, I'm going to let you watch TV, but it's going to be Channel It's going to be Channel 9. So we watched a lot of Mr. Rogers. For anybody who's, like, I don't know, young and doesn't know what Channel 9 is, that's KCTS, PBS. Yeah, that's free. Public, bro- Chan- it's public yeah. broadcasting. Public bro- is, and Sesame it was, Street. It was Channel 9 Rogers. where I lived at as a kid. It was Channel 9 here. Yeah. Um, so we ended up watching a lot of it. But what, I, what I've grown to understand now, much like Mr. Rogers, my father carried a lot of those sort of sentiments. Absolutely. Mine too. My parents were very like that. And I didn't, I, so, yeah. I didn't know it as a kid, but looking mm-hmm. back, like my dad would always talk about how if we could all sing the same songs together, we could, he's a you know musician at heart. We could all live together mm-hmm. and we could all mm-hmm. hang out together and eat together. And he was like, look at this song. He would take, listen to a country song and listen to like, like the bass line and say, all right. Now here's the same baseline for a rock yeah. song. Yep. Here's the same baseline for a hip hop song and R and B song because like it's all the same stuff. Yeah. It's, so, it's not that different. And he would always impart that on me, even as a kid. I think like part of what allows this to happen is a different economic model for that channel, right? And yes. they bring it up. He had he they needed to go and make the case not to get PBS funding cut. And this has been another thing that's been happening with at least within the last decade because yeah. they started coming after npr which is the radio right. version mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. like oh this is not important or it's very important it's, it's too necessary. liberal or, or it's whatever but if you have a forum that's not about making money it doesn't need it's to not advertising yeah it's not driven not, by advertising exactly you're not and beholden to coca-cola or mcdonald's and i'm just on companies out there right yeah. you're not beholden yeah. to them you can you can honestly talk about what's happening in the world and the ways in which these things affect people Right, you're not. You don't need to hold eyes in order to then sell something, like do that. So you can hold eyes and allow somebody to contemplate because 
there's um, books, uh, you know, there's a concept of thinking fast and thinking slow. There's two different um, ways that your brain could work. And, and, you know, it's based off of either, you know, compl- contemplating and, you know, thinking through a problem, thinking through consequences mm-hmm. sequentially. And there's your fast brain, which is like tiger, this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of advertising and all that really wants to um, activate your quick thoughts. Yep. Right. And that also seems to be what a lot of cartoons or a lot of things like it's re- it's just quick dopamine. It's just quick, yep. which is not um, good quick for hits. kids whose frontal lobes are not fully developed. And you don't learn. Your frontal lobe is your like. And you don't learn. You're not learning anything, right? A lot of the education <laughs> TV, in fact, and there's a ton of it that yeah. we see with younger. Like I'm not sure what I see is kids. The kids section in Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's kids maybe in that it's animated it's animated and it's not the same type of violence like it's what is this honestly like i can only think of it's like it's the parents you're not allowed to watch anything that's not rated g right right, like, right, 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 right. it's kind of really socially conservative religious i'm not trying to throw any of that no no, bus, no but it's like it's it's not you're not thinking it through you're like it's easier to say this is a cutoff yeah that the it's, industry has said if it's g or it's on this part of Netflix. It's okay for children. But I think I think it's it's content that is removing things that people would deem to be inappropriate for children. It's not content that's adding things that yeah, it is a, necessary really for children. Point. So it's empty calories. Yeah. Yeah. And the other that's, piece that's, that two I think, different things, right? If I'm mm-hmm. adding things that like kids learn from, mm-hmm. like, I think the word is enrichment. Yeah. And I think yes. that's also like I know some. Fr- uh, parents who will pre-screen things like yeah. they're going to watch something before they let their kids watch it they're going to read this book before yeah. they let their kids read this book but i i feel like when you put all of those things like in that section of netflix it's like you're not actually thinking or being intentional about what you are introducing your kids to you're just being like okay go watch this yeah. like i don't have to what are they actually it. well, it's like oh somebody okay, pre-screened I'm, it for me yeah exactly but so you're not again empty calories you're yeah. not choosing what you're you're putting in front of them versus like mr rogers where we're learning here that like Every episode was intentional and he was, he was communicating to kids for a specific reason on a specific topic, trying to get this idea across. Very deliberate. Very, like, very deliberate. slow, methodical, mm-hmm. like that scene in the, in the, in the movie, in the documentary where he, he gets in the pool with the, with the guy. And this oh is, my God. this is on the heels my of like thing. these rides at the pools and people pouring bleach. Like they, they show a clip of what was happening. Pool segregate, like pools. the last thing to segregate were public pools. And it's why a lot of, talk about black people who don't swim a lot of it was yeah people our parents age were told not to go to the pools because it was the last sort of like battleground for segregation this happened two years ago in germany no oh what no, no, it was in Texas. The little the, the oh, girl the who got, who got slammed party. on yeah. the ground. I mean, it's not. It wasn't institutionalized the same way, but the same ideas. Yeah, because like I'm not getting in the water with you, dirty black people. So, I think it's because like I feel the most. I mean, I think most people are going to feel the most vulnerable. Not only when you take their, when your clothes are all the way off, but also something about being like drenched or and wet, sharing like space yeah, with someone in a way that's, bat, that's where but. i feel the most vulnerable for instance so this was happening across yeah. the country and mr rogers goes on a show and he he got his feet in this cooling pool and the cop comes in to play by a black man and he's he gets him to sit in the pool with him and like put his feet in the pool with him what i, what I love about that scene is the way mr rogers looks at the camera like see see we're fine Nothing I'm good. I'm normal. good. Nothing terrible has happened here. We're okay, kids. We're fine. Like I don't know what your adults you're doing, but like this we're the, cooling our feet. This reminds me of a scene in Jojo Rabbit where one of the kids is like, "Hey, I saw one of these Jewish people in the forest. Mm-hmm. Mm, not as scary as we thought. They kind of look like regular people. Like I don't know what the big deal is." 
and it's the idea, right? When I when I'm framing ideas of like people of color are lesser than or whatever, um, and I try to other them by thinking that there's something mm-hmm. about them that's terrifying or scary or dirty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's why that, that's why this language is always used by white supremacists and people who support them. So to show that is activating a certain part of your brain yes. as well. You go you immediately move away from something that's dirty that may infect right. you. It's dark. You that's go. scary. Yeah, that's like those instincts. Those, uh, right. And so what we're, we're watching is him show people and kids because he knows his learned behavior. Yeah. Didn't he sue the clan? Didn't Mr. Rogers sue the clan for something? Did he? I don't know. I don't know. He did. That's so this is. I'm looking up. Okay, so while you're doing up. that, because this is something that that was came into my mind again yesterday. Now I work on a college campus, right? Mm-hmm. And um, clearly, like social norms are changing a lot, and you're seeing a lot more like LGBT and this. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, yeah, the it's interesting. The terms that used to be used, coming out mm-hmm. or being in the closet, mm-hmm. and just seeing people moving around strips away a lot of the oh there's something about yeah. it's like no we're at starbucks yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, all we're just fine. hanging out it's, yeah. and it's only within it's only to some sort of person's benefit for somebody to have to be in the closet because in the closet you can only see like some aspects of what of what they are not their entire humanity well another really fascinating thing like i know it happened i'm not going to go i'm not really put an opinion on it necessarily but there's the Oh, is the gay rights movement same as the like the um civil rights movement? The civil rights movement for mm-hmm. black people, but the com the component that's not there that com- that you know goes along with what you're saying is that it's an end of uh there has to be a like a individual bravery or something. How it in like I I not come out as black, so that's always right, the you're case. Always going so to you're be. at some point you're saying this person has to make a sacrifice. You're not worried about go, losing people because you've done right. This. They they have to go. Hey in. guys, there's personal stakes. <sighs> I'm black. <laughs> They're like what? Well, I mean, there are the there are the historical like people who I mean, who were some, passing, right? right. Who were passing. That's, that's there's my a bit of that. My great aunt, yeah. But just it's like this person has to choose to make their lives harder in order to be themselves and then hopefully be able to come to link with uh, a community for, of support. But that's, but that's geographical, di- yeah. geographically difficult, like and all types yeah. of, and there's the unknown, like you don't know if someone's going to accept you. No, you don't, you don't right. know. You don't know if, if someone came in here, if I came in here and, 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 this, and said something about my sexuality that, that could offend someone, right? Someone who listens, someone who writes, cause you never know if, if so, so people in that, in that space, like, I remember, and it was so funny because I remember uh, Matt Damon talking about uh, like heterosexual, like, well, homosexual p- people not. Remember that? <laughs> I was like, oh no, I was trying, like, I'm trying to like Matt Damon. Yeah, but yeah, he said, like, 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 oh, you shouldn't. Um, I shouldn't know what your sexuality yeah, is because you're an actor. But and- I'm thinking, like, I think about myself, like, all right. I can talk. But we open- all know what his is, right? Right. Like I can talk openly about women I date or women that I've liked, and not you can be show concerned. Show up on the red carpet with a date. Yeah, and not be concerned. I can do that, not be concerned about it impacting my job or who I'm friends with, because it's what's expected of me. Yeah. It's what's expected yeah. of me. It's not right. But if that was to ever change for anybody, then that then it's different. And so he he has the privilege to be like, yeah. Well, you can show up a red carpet with your wife, and it's not a mm-hmm. problem. Like I can show up with a girlfriend at some event, and I'm, I'm not worried that my boss will look at me funny. Except for to be like, "What? Tim's got a girlfriend." Yeah. Everybody's gonna. We're all gonna be like, "What?" There's a person. But, but I wouldn't <laughs> concern about it impacting 
anything I was doing yep. negatively. Right. There's a person who I met within the last few years and have like hung out with, become buddies with, and I think I I watched the process of slowly that person. How do you say transition? No, being. Uh, I think they may have been feeling out whether or not it was going to be okay to say. It's like, oh, you know, my significant other. Oh, this. Oh, and then eventually being basically like, I'm gay, right? Yeah. Without ever like being. And you, I think it was that person who was kind of feeling out yeah. whether or not I was going to be the sort of person who's going to like retract or or be a dick about it or but not, imagine or, that or whatever. And right. and I was like, this is the first time where it's like I I other people who are gay that I've known like they were gay or I, like, but this is the first time that it was somebody new that I was getting to know. My assumption, I guess, at the beginning is still default. That somebody is heterosexual. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's most of us. But as it played out, this is just kind of illuminating to me. As it played out, and I was like, this person is the same person they were when I met them. Same, like, anyway, I, I, you guys kind of get what I'm, where I'm coming to. Well, like, can, like, think about, like, what I do every day, right? And, like, all of the things in terms of awareness and inclusion and civil rights, right? Like, I still have those types of, like, and it's like, it's like that, um, I don't want to say biases because it's it not is. like a preference it's, necessarily. It's, it's, an, a, it's, it's a, a, like an implicit a, bias. It's a heteronormative perspective. Yeah. yeah. Right? For, and that's, like, that's how you see the world. Yeah. And I recently, there's somebody who I spent a lot of time with and, and they have a partner and um, I made a statement and they're like, how do you know I don't like girls? I'm like, well, because you have a boyfriend. I was like, doesn't mean I haven't had girlfriends. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you're right. 30, no. I'm going to be 36 when this comes out. 35-year-old Shalia, like, you're still. I, yeah. It takes some unlearning. It takes, it, some it takes unlearning. a long time. It takes a lot of unlearning. And I think getting back to Mr. Rogers, like, that's the kind of stuff he was trying to get to. So I found the article. What? Yeah. So did he sue? A federal district judge has ordered that the Missouri Knights of the Ku Klux Klan to stop playing racist telephone recordings that imitate the children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh. The judge Howard F. Shaw, F. Sachs. Please don't be my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's also ordered the Klan and three of his members on Wednesday to turn over tape recordings and other materials. Lawyers for Mr. Rogers say the materials infringe on the program's trademarks and copyrights. The judge set a hearing on the case for October twentieth. Judge Sachs in, in issued the temporary restraining order one day after Fred Rogers and his company, Family Communications Incorporated, sued to stop the Klan from using the recordings. Wow. Yeah, I remember he did that. So all of this. So wait, wait, what year was it? In what state? Uh, it was Missouri. Missouri. I don't know what year it was. Um, but it it, it reminded me because this came up recently when you see a lot of people who, because it's the holidays and we've got very, you know, people who dabble in white supremacy and they're going home to their dabble. families, <laughs> they dabble in it. Say, can't we all be like Fred Rogers and all just get along? I'm like, well, Fred Rogers sued the Klan. So how mm-hmm. do you think he felt about that kind of stuff? Oh, exactly. Think he was cool with it? You think he thought this was okay? You think he was like he wasn't? Oh, he wasn't oh, saying we all get along to just get yeah. along, go he, along. To he get wasn't along. like ah shucks, you're a white supremacist. Let's find some common ground. No, we both like Chick Fil A, I guess. Like no, the you use of the I use of the, about him. I was gonna say the use of the term human dignity. I think sums up mm-hmm. the difference between getting along and acceptance. Right. I think um, one of the things I really appreciate about the documentary is like getting a feel of him because like i 
you know, there's questions like, is this guy a real guy? Like, he's right. kooky, weird. Like, what's going on? Um, questions about like, or jokes about him being like a pedophile and like kids sitting on his lap and stuff like that. Like, just not quite understanding. So, I really appreciated the documentary. It's the cynicalness like, of our society it is, to seep into us. Isn't is. It absolutely is. I hate mm-hmm. it. Um, and I really appreciate the documentary for that reason of just kind of being like, no, this was actually he, he's the just dinner a good table. The dinner guy. table anecdote, right, about how when he wanted to say something else or say he something, would, mm-hmm. he would slip into a different voice to get that sort of feeling, his feelings so that the out. Kids know, yeah, yeah, and, he's that, very and he aware really, of that. I think that also because he they talk about how. Well, you're going to probably talk about the Superman thing. That's exactly where I was And saying. so I'm just say this to lead into it, right? Because he talk, they, they make a point that he never shows up in the land of make-believe. No. Right. Yeah. He There's a strict distinction as far as he, the characters of the neighborhood do, um, like mm-hmm. Mr. McFeely will yeah. or whatever, but he is he not there. there. He's, and he, he narrates it, but he's like, we are now going into make-believe, mm-hmm. um, which now, yeah, so I was thinking, because, like, okay, so saying that, like, he he does have a position. Like, he's not just a pushover. He's a really nice, wonderful man, but he also has opinions about things and perspective and will mm-hmm. and will push on that, right? So, like, the example that Tim showed us. And then, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. So, like, so in the documentary, they say that... The show was taking some time off and they were playing reruns because they've they've covered yeah. a lot of topics. A lot of time, yeah. And so he's like and then he's trying to work with adults and like working on like an adult show and it didn't work out. It didn't well that and also it, it didn't work out, but I think it was Adults working. have enough attention. Like the kids are where he he was really effective. And so what the apparent Based on what the documentary says, right? So I don't know ex- all that was happening during that time. But ratings wise, I think you're you're right. Yeah, right. Maybe it wasn't getting the ratings, but I was really fascinated with him in that prison, like that interaction. Yeah, the new show wasn't the ratings boom they expected, but but it was still effective. it was something. Yeah, and yeah. and then I was like, these people because he must it must have been at least fifteen twenty years in or something like that. These people probably watched his show growing up, and they're in prison. Something has happened to them, but this person is coming and still feels like whatever mistakes you made, I'm willing to come in here and listen to you. The thing I thought was really special about him was like, no matter how old you were, right, as a kid, and kids really lacking in that, or as an adult who doesn't have time or resources or is in prison or you know whatever is going on to have somebody who's going to come and have a straight conversation with you understand you talk to you respect your feelings like you're talking about human dignity and all that um but so in terms of him having a position and opinions and all of that the thing that i thought was really interesting was during that time where he was taking the time off superman comes out and a kid jumps off a, a roof pretending to be superman and getting really injured and it happening a couple times. And I thought it was interesting the way that the, the documentary shows it of um, some of the f- footage from back then. And then also the son explaining it. But being like, Mr. Rogers was pissed. Yeah. He was like, whoa, like I'm taking a break, you guys. I, yeah. I've done all this. And look at what you adults have done. Yeah. You yeah. As have soon as I left the room. <laughs> you are going to like, yeah. yeah, as soon as I left the room, you're not explaining. Like you're doing these things and you're not explaining to them what this the is. The dangers of this. This is not like... Th- and it's not like he was against comic books or superheroes. Yeah. It was like you're being, you're putting them in danger by not telling them what it is. They're smart enough to understand this is make believe. And like, all right, we're going to come back and we're going to have to do a week on 
superheroes. And yeah. I just thought it was really interesting because he seemed like actually upset. Like this was a betrayal of the kids. And he, I think that's in the documentary too. He was just like, I am tired of hearing all these people who are not kids anymore and who mm-hmm. do not tap into their child selves. No. Same with kids need and like, we're going to do all this. He's like, I'm going to tell you it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm back. I'm going to tell you this. Like yeah. he was, he wasn't a pushover. And I really liked that about him. He was just like genuinely into things and happy and yeah. kind and all of those things. But like, so he was but, still a solid. But even coming back, <laughs> the, com- the comparison, I think that I don't know if it's in you guys' head either. I, it's not been proven whether or not Michael Jackson did the stuff, but there seems to me so much of a parallel in kind of the behaviors. Like, is this person really like? It, I don't know. I don't. You don't see somebody who really wants to be close to kids and and really is in that like. But his came. I feel came from a. They're coming from different places, but it, it, the comparison kept popping into my head because it's like, ooh, he really is into kids. Oh, he must but be it a wasn't pedophile. One like with spark that, in the eyes though. and one without. Like what? Like yeah, my sure. impression of Michael was like he was a kid. Like he, he interacts with kid. kids better because they interact on his level with him. He's got some kind of stunted going on there. And like that right. versus Mr. Rogers, who just understood kids. Yeah. Right. So the, the question is, they're both somehow in tap with their inner kid. Maybe because yes. one never left. Yep. But but Mr. Rogers kept a pipeline or a line oh, or yeah. something. Yeah. He he never to me came across as I'm not a fully functioning, responsible oh, adult. Not. But he is able to tap in so, so have that well gift. to. A five-year-old brain. Yeah. Some people have... It's a gift. You see it with it some is. teachers. You've seen it with... Like, Marcus is someone who I'm obviously close with. Yeah. He has Mary a gift with speaking. I don't know if he still is. He's in Atlanta now. Yeah. But he has a gift with speaking to young people. It's, I've seen him do it, and I'm, I think to myself, man, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does it, but it's it's he's very gifted at that. And Mr. Rod was someone who was gifted at speaking to children, and he had a platform, and he used it wisely. And he was it's also kind of, really good at knowing what to say. So, like... There are times where I was just thinking about this with my niece. Like, I could probably have some of these conversations with her, but I didn't. It did not occur to me to explain you can't actually fly. Mm, <laughs> like, we've yeah. been around with lava lavas how on do you, her. How, yeah, how do you like, explain pretending that? these are capes? But like, I have. It did yeah. not occur to me that she didn't realize that this might not be the thing. Yeah. And like, so he. I also remember as a kid, I used to think the cape was the like the physical thing making Superman yeah, fly. Exactly. Yeah. He's well, a human and then he has the cape. So well, if I put the cape on, I can fly. What I was saying when I was uh we, we had talked about it briefly when I was uh New Day Northwest about this about the the film that's out now, mm-hmm. A Beautiful Day Neighborhood, was at the time of the opening of the show, Mr. Roger felt like a man out of time. Mm-hmm. It's it's we're Briefly, I in this old fifties late neighborhood or fifties house. They kept him, saying, right? The mm-hmm. idea of him, the ideas that he carried, because we're we're fresh out of the 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 civil rights movement and we're in the Vietnam War, and it's it's all this conflict inside the country and outside the country. And here is this man coming and preaching kindness and joy and acceptance yes. and love and through, simple, through, like let's and it's all simple. No, yeah, these aren't like crazy concepts. Let's make a shoebox. And bed. he and he's preaching it. <laughs> constantly to these children and to the world and he felt like and so people are looking for the other shoe constantly Mm -hmm. he's got to be this he's got to be a pedophile he's got to be secretly into prostitutes and drugs or whatever Mm -hmm. or a heroin addict none of that lizard person yeah yeah but even now you think about now like in in the in the documentary when they talk about wanting him to come speak after 9-11 to explain it to children 
Yes, that's right. They like, stopped him. They like, like, you need, need to you. go back on television. Yeah. Sort of well, yeah, yeah, they had, what is assassination? That was amazing. Yeah, the Challenger. I remember mm-hmm. watching the Challenger oh blow up as a kid. We all got in the same room. To, we're going Because there's a teacher on there. We're yeah. all going to watch it. And like, still not having a... Con- it wasn't until I got home with my parents that explained it. I honestly didn't know what happened. Yeah. I was like, so are we done? Like, mm-hmm. did they not make it? We, I didn't are know. I just remember my teacher was crying. And I was like, okay, so I knew something bad That's happened. Exactly, you're exactly who. Yeah, I knew something bad happened. Mr. Rogers she's said. bawling, and they're consoling her. We don't understand what's going on. And they rushed us world. all back to class because kids. And they don't explain, they don't explain, explain anything. What's children, going on? all humans, but children understand uh, feelings and emotions without ever, without necessarily having the facts behind behind it. Right? right. They don't know what an explosion is. They don't mm-hmm. know what the atmosphere. Is versus like there's a bunch of things but they the weight of it, but they all they can can tell feelings of sadness or loss or something like that, um, Im- immediately within the room, right? Mm-hmm. Animals do that. that that's one of the things when Shalia is upset, the cats will notice. I oh feel yeah, like. they come right there. What's going on, mom? Are you yeah. okay? Yeah. Or um, what did you? We were talking earlier about um, Blackfish. So that was a movie. Yeah. It was kind of a documentary. Documentary about orcas. about about orcas and killer whales and all that. And yeah. somebody had asked a question about. So I'd asked the director like, what what's not in this documentary that people would be fascinated with? And she was telling stories about these these killer whales who rescued people, like working at like SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. This guy gets injured. The killer whale comes up. Like gently picks him up on the side he's not injured on, mm-hmm. and like takes him to the edge. And he hurt his ribs doing something, and he was drowning. And he this orca comes in and saves him, and can tell and can he's tell. he's he needs help. He needs help. Um, this is what's going on. And like Kenny, you mentioned yeah. right, like orcas have ribs too. Yeah, yeah. Like, couldn't didn't bite him, didn't drag him, picked him up on the side that wasn't his nose, hurting him, took him to the edge. Yeah, and left him there, and everyone was stunned that this had happened. But they were like, there's countless stories of this stuff happening. Actually, and that makes even more sense. Like, sharks are clearly predators, but a shark wouldn't even necessarily do that because orcas and whales need to get back to the surface to breathe eventually. Yeah. Right. So they if another orca is injured, it needs help back to the surface. It, it, does not, it doesn't have gills, so it's not going to yeah. stay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, th- those kind of things are fascinating. But I think Mr. Rogers really tapped into... Um, I think a part of us that we lose as we get older. I agree. Because you become cynical and life sort of hits you over the head. So you lose people, you 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 love people, you hurt people, you've been hurt, and a lot of all this callous sort of grows it grows over you. And I think Mr. Rogers is really good at like, let's skip all of that. And if you can focus on these things, and you constantly sort of live these things, and you preach these things, and you try to walk these things as much as possible, right? And you make it sort of a foundation of who you are. You're gonna be okay, and I think that there's you have to you have to also be brave about it. And I think maybe if you just keep watching Mr. Rogers, yeah. it helps you. But like my grandpa, I remember. So one of the things that my family would say is like basically a f- a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Yeah, and like that's mm-hmm. the approach to people that like mm, that my grandpa in particular. Um, would come to, but that like that's yeah. this is just like one of the values that we pass on. Yeah. And I remember saying that like, yeah, it's because I'm friendly and I like people usually, unless they're cutting me off in traffic. Um, and but yeah, like a stranger is just a friend I haven't met yet. So like, I'm genuinely like, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Tell me more about yourself. Yeah. Um, I got laughed at. Like not long ago, I mentioned that at work, and like everybody in the room just laughed. Like that's a ridiculous yeah. thought. What are you talking about? And I was just like, oh, interesting. Yeah. This it used is, to happen to me all the time difference. with my friends. I was just talking to my friend Andre about this the other day. Uh, we were discussing another friend, and and he was like, 
you've been this person since I've known you, and it's really funny. We we would be out, and I, you would see someone, and you would be talking to him, and I'd be like, "Hey, how do you know him?" And you would say, "I don't know that guy." Yeah. And like, and, and, and like, <laughs> wouldn't skip it. Be like, "Oh no, I don't know him. I just I see this guy around every night." I was at <laughs> kid not. I was at the Husky game last week. I was at the Apple Cup. Yeah, we were there together. I, so when I left at halftime, I ran to a guy who here's when I saw his face, I knew his name was Robert. And that's it. And it was a positive interaction. That's all my brain is registering. But we stopped and we talked and he's with his wife. And she's like, how do you know each other? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. And she was like, really? And he was like, I don't remember either. He was trying to place it. And I was like, eh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, and we just kept talking. And I was like, well, good to see you again. I st- still, to this day, <laughs> don't know where I know him from. You know what? I, but that's how... I have saying, the opposite I problem. Remember. I'll remember where I knew somebody from and not have their name. Yeah, and that's less socially acceptable. <laughs> I, but I appreciate the honesty, right? And I feel like that's a doctor. But then doctor, think about it. Mr. I, Rogers I, too. Just be direct. Be honest. We, we talked about this on the podcast before. Age. But when I met when I met Josh's wife, was yeah. just a random oh person God, so at a theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That I was just holding conversations. <laughs> I was waiting for my friends. They were both waiting for the We're group. Both waiting, we're both waiting for the same group of people. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you should have. But I could have been a jerk. Or an asshole, or rude. But I'm saying, but think, we think only about hang it. Out with if there was a different, people, if there was, a, if there was an together. alternate Earth, it's a different mm-hmm. me who was just an asshole to people. It's a different interaction. My relationship yes. with Josh is different. Like yeah. everything is different. It's weird having him around because I was a jerk to his wife. Yeah. But no, if you're just kind to people and you learn to give first, I think it's it opens up a world of possibilities, and people can harm you, and people couldn't. Kendon's making a remind face. me off mic to say something about that. Okay, I'll remind you. Okay. Um, are we on the influences yet? Um, I think, yeah. Like, okay. I, at some point, we're going to talk about the episodes, too. So, I wanted uh, to kind of mention, yeah. like... How far, how, how much time? How we're we're an hour in. What? So, all right. Well, let's... Yes, I, I think in terms of influences, let's just sprinkle them throughout, because I think that's basically what all of this is. Um, But I want to get us into... So, I watched three episodes from the 80s mm-hmm. as kind of like a taste for getting ready for this episode. Kendon saw, I think, all three as well. Just two. Two. Um, Tim, did you watch no, those? No, I You didn't have a chance? No. Okay, so let's tell you about these. So um, I've seen them all at some point. You've seen them all. So yeah. the first one um, that we watched or that I watched was episode 1607. It's from 1989. Mm-hmm. And it was um, Mr. Rogers decided to take the kids or us, right, to a film processing store that was fun and i had not realized that mr rogers did field trips like i didn't remember that about mr rogers yes he did field trips um but so yeah we went to a film processing place and it was insane like this was an interesting one because it wasn't it was less in my mind about mr rogers and more about just like the 80s and how things have changed in the last 30 Mm -hmm. years but like the the things that used to process film well first of all i don't have to develop film anymore because i use my camera or my phone <laughs> i know right it's not something we do anymore no and he's just like showing us how it rewinds and what you do and what does he say like the only person who should open a camera is the person who owns it <laughs> i was like that's a good rule um and then he goes and they show like all of the people who that keeps kids work- from getting in trouble for ruining their dad's exactly. or their mom's film exactly because oh, they're like the yeah. person who owns yeah. it knows uh, if the role is done or not immediately you're curious if you have a, if you see a camera I, you, I've probably done it before it. you're like oh my god there's a door back here I know that something that makes this camera work is behind that door I want to open yeah. the door and see what magic is and happening. And how many things are like ruined by just a door that opens and closes? Like Not this a is ton. one of the very few things that's like very accessible and something that you do, but you have to find it first. 
Um, but yeah, so, and he mentions that he was always really good about that too. Like, uh, something else was happening and he was just like, hold on, there's just something I want to share with my neighbors real quick. And like my TV neighbor real quick and like does a quick explanation because he's like occurring to him that like there might be a question for a mm-hmm. watcher. But yeah, so he goes to this film processing place and like talks to the people who do it. And like they're using a lot of machines. And he's like, first of all, he's so genuine. Like he's right. like, like it's clear. I keep waiting for like the other shoe to drop, like we said. But it's clear in his face. He just thinks this is interesting and is excited to see it. And I'm excited to see it too. And then like, all of the different people walk through and he's just like, wow, people really, there's so many jobs here. People really make things happen. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about like our current economy and like the the concerns about like automation. jobs. Yeah, like automation and like jobs being dropped. And he was like, people make things happen, not just machines. I think there's a concept of like within economy, but economics, but value added. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what if all of the value is just the widget and the widget is done completely automated, then you are cutting out the ability for people to add value and people like to add value in one way or another to yeah. their community, their environment. Like that is, a, that will become a problem if people are completely cut out of the loop of producing right. things for other people to live and enjoy their lives. I agree. And I, but I also think that like his point is a little bit missed where it's like, people can make things happen. Like you're not, even if you develop a, another machine that does this task that you were doing before, you you can do another task. Like there are lots of things that we can do. And like, I was just like, there's what three or four people that he comes into contact with developing the film. I mean, like they could have passed, there are, there are machines there too, doing things like passing things on and moving things in and out of liquid. And like, yeah, people could have been doing those things, but machines are doing them. And so like some of the tasks are done by others. And it's just like, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, but also people can make things happen. So you could like, you're not, you have control. You are able to go and do something that like if this isn't needed, you can do this other thing. Honestly, and I, I liked his point, and this in eighty nine. I think this is a one of the better. This is the argument that resonates for me for a something like a universal basic income, right? If everybody is given a universal basic income, I do not believe that people will want to not produce I value. I agree. They will people go on, and it's like, oh well, I can't flip. It's like, oh, they're not going to do anything because they don't flip burgers anymore. They might go make art. Yeah. They will go think, they will go, I do not believe that more than, Gosh. I don't know, 1% of people will choose to sit on their ass. If we had more people available to do things, like when I broke my foot, it would have been really nice if there was somebody who could just give me a ride to the light rail. Like, without having, you know, like we're starting, like Via is a thing now, getting mm-hmm. to the, like, there are so many just small tasks that like, we could have people do if we were willing to fund it right like that's the piece you know so there was a a startup that we were learning about as a case study in the class right and it ended up not it failed eventually but it was putting people together um uh bringing together for for a child care it was almost like almost like an uber for child care yeah yeah it's like they're in the middle they're like somebody needs this somebody somebody can do this um and so as like uh we kind of did for practice we create a a business like a business pitch or whatever mm-hmm. right and so and then we we got paired up with somebody in a different group to kind of critique theirs anyways th- they came up with something similar but different in certain ways and i was supposed to give some feedback 
And one of the things I was like, well, you know, you're, you're here saying, why don't you put together, you're going to look for these sort of people to, to do it. And I was like, maybe you should look at retirees as well. That's what I keep saying about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, mm-hmm. and right now it's like, mm-hmm. the, it's almost like a, a passing joke or kind of condescending thing of, oh, you're going to be a greeter at Walmart or whatever. But it's like, people want to. It's fun still to be part of with commi- others. To commi- yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do it full time. Right, exactly. But no, but the thing is, is that a lot of retired people are are still not having uh, as much income as they need. Mm-hmm. They also then, so a lot of people, their health will decline par- partially because they don't have something fulfilling going on in their lives. Yeah. So that was one of the, I was kind of happy to have thought of it. It's like, you know, if you can bring those people in, if somebody needs somebody to look for, and we also, people move around a lot. Yeah. So you might, like, I'm amazed, like, my parents had no safety net in Seattle when they moved here. Right. Right. They had two kids and the two of them and their families were all back East. So they didn't have the grandparents or whatever. So, and that would actually help foster some, some community too. So there is always something valuable and not valuable as in profitable necessarily. Mm -hmm. There's always something valuable that people can be doing and Mm -hmm. adding. Exactly. And I, I think that gets overlooked far too much. I think Mr. Rogers would approve. Um, so the other thing that uh, happens in this episode is the puppets are doing like a play. They're getting ready for a play. And so everybody's learning their parts. And I think I skipped this part for Kendon because it was just kind of like meh. But it was it was a reminder of like how I always thought the human puppets were creepy. And I loved Daniel Tiger so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. So that was like my takeaway with the puppets. Lady um, Elaine Fairchild was creepy to me. She is so funny. And then in the documentary, they make a thing about like, we try to pretend that it wasn't a, she wasn't supposed to be our aunt. And I was like, oh my God, she was really close to that aunt. That was really funny. Um, okay, so the other one that we watched was 1506 from November 15th, 1982. And this one was about sharing being hard. So this was just really funny. Like, um, Mr. Rogers is going to talk about friendship and friends that you've been friends with a long time. And then also part of it is about sharing when you go into the land of make-believe. So Wait, first he goes he go to go to a to shop. Go to the shoe store. Is yes, this, this the one? one. Mm-hmm. So, so I goes, actually did watch three with you. You watched all three with me. So he goes to buy shoes. And this one was fun because it's like first a reminder of like those mom and pop stores, right? Like this is a this is just a shoe store and it was owned by the owner's dad and grandpa before that. And the owner's son is there working there. Um, so it's just like that small town shoe stop shop, uh, feel, which I'm like, you know, I, they do exist, but I don't not even small town any. neighborhood. Cause neighborhood, he's from a big city. Yeah. He's from Pittsburgh neighborhood town, like neighborhood shop. Um, which I just, I don't, there's not one that I identify with. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then seeing the eighties shoes. So yep. he's like in there. So it's like, Oh my God, like the wall of sneakers, I was just like, oh, these look kind of cool. And then also how a lot of the styles I can absolutely picture somebody I know wearing. Yeah. So that was fun. And then like Mr. Rogers is enjoying like the guy actually fits his shoe. And I was telling Kendon, I don't know the last time I went to buy shoes and like sat down and had someone help me find a shoe that actually fit my foot. Usually I'm just like, um, I like the shoe. I'm going to make my foot I think fit. that's because we shop at Nordstrom Rack and not at Nordstrom. Exactly. And like because the-, the Nordstrom shoe department, when you walk through there they will do they're that they're doing that and like they'll fit your shoe like they they have i have not had my shoe my my foot measured in a really long time yeah but like and the and the guy wasn't afraid to like tell him actually this is not a good shoe for you like your foot is too narrow it won't fit um let me get a different shoe that will fit and be better for you and he like sold him this other shoe and mr rogers was like 
okay, let's Has do it. Has anybody ever like just tried to sell you a different shoe? No. No, you just go in there and get the Nikes. You know you're a size 12 or whatever. Yeah. No, it's a, it was it's very a, it's bizarre. A, it's a transaction transaction as opposed to an interaction transaction. Mm-hmm. And like a, he's actually helping you identify what shoe you're going to. Yeah. I really liked it. And then he left. He was like, so you want me to just put this on your account? I'm like, wait, what? Like he mm-hmm. didn't have his wallet or he didn't he didn't pull his wallet out at all. He just was like, yep. And the, the guy's writing it down and giving him a receipt. And I'm just like, what is that thing? He's going to be a return customer, right? Like he does. If he doesn't give him good cu- like service, it's like I think more directly impacting. I mean, and I don't mean in like a Southern quote, he's like, I got to do this, but it's like that interaction is more personal. So it has more value to him. The, the people at journeys do not give a shit about <laughs> me. <laughs> no, no, they don't. They also probably don't care that much about the story either. Like yeah, the employees, they don't care about the story themselves. They're just there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I just, I just laughed like, oh yeah, if the shoe's not going to fit, there's no point getting it. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> that is a very good point. I should well, be watching more Mr. Too many Rogers. more of our, there are things now are more disposable consumer goods. So you can just get a bunch of sneakers pretty mm-hmm. inexpensively. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we didn't mention in, um, so last week we reviewed Tango and Cash mm-hmm. and there was with a little line with our neighbor. Yeah. But there was a little line. That pop, he was when his shirt gets messed up, and he was like, "That shirt cost me nine dollars." Yeah, and we just chuckled because like a nine dollars shirt could have a stack of nine dollars shirts, but like, it's something that uh, the value of money. I think yeah, the value of time, the amount of yeah. stuff that you have. Oh, I didn't catch it on that. I thought it was the opposite. He only paid nine dollars for his shirt versus Tango, who wears Armani suits. No, no, because in in the, to me in the tone of his voice, it was like, "Damn, I'm out nine bucks now." Yeah. It's kind of, to me, which, you know, inflation or whatever, it's like, oh, I'm out 50, I don't know, 50, or I'm out 40 bucks now. Okay, I got you. You know, but now, even like $20 shirts, my dad's like, these are all cheap, and you just, they start to stack up in people's, people just have like dozens of t-shirts. Like the value of individual things and individual transactions Mm -hmm. has been made cheaper. Yeah. And so it's more quantity versus quality. Yeah. Um, so the other half of the episode is in make believe. And again, we made this point earlier, but like he distinguishes mm-hmm. like, all right, now we're back and we're going to go into make believe. So make believe, um, Prince Tuesday and the platypus girl, I forget her name, are playing mm-hmm. dress up with the, a human actor troll person. Um, and they're talking about sharing and like, I want a hat. No, you're, it's hilarious. Like they want to share and then she shows her special shoes and then here comes Lady Elaine and she is ridiculous. She was just like, I want to see. Well, I want it. And she's like, we share and make believe. I'm telling on you. And then like, King I'm telling Friday, on you to the king. Yeah. Yeah, and then right. King yeah. Friday is just like, we share. She's like, I know. That's why I came here. Like she is just so funny. Like, she's one of those watch, people who's using character. the rules to their advantage. Yes. Um, rewatch, I love her. She is hilarious yeah. to me. And so that that was my takeaway from that one. And then there's the cake boss. Okay. And then finally, there's a competition. There's a episode about competition. It's episode 1483. I forget when it came out. Um, but it's, yeah. So first part is about competition, a cake decorating competition with hmm. basically cake boss, chef. Cake boss? Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> that's he's that's what we were calling him. He's wearing rewatch. gold chains. Yeah. Um, Did he have gold chains on? He had a gold chain on. <laughs> um, wow. And then I make believe Big Bird is visiting. Um, so the cake boss part is hilarious because 
He comes over. Oh, Mr. it got Rogers, me. Wait, it, the the storyline like it hooked me. Kendon was like, he was like, what's gonna happen? So, <laughs> Cake Boss comes by, and Mr. Rogers is like, oh, how are you? And he's like, I'm okay, but I'm not all okay. Aww. And he's just like explaining, like, I'm I'm disappointed. I you know I participated in this competition. I wanted my cake decorating to win, and I didn't win. And he really you know feeling down about it. And like it was just so interesting, right? Because it's like an adult man. Kind of tough guy seeming. Mm-hmm. Talking to Mr. Rogers about how he's a little disappointed in this thing. And so there that happens. And then they so show. So we know he didn't win. We know he didn't yeah. win. So then they show him at a mall at the cake competition. And there's all of these normal looking people with him. We're like with their cakes and they show the cakes they show him they show him talking to people like oh look at that wedding cake and wow how cool yeah. is that and then they do the judging Kendon do you want it? <laughs> so they do the judging so we already know he didn't win we already but, know but so the, the woman's like so we're going to have two runners up and it's like oh two runners up and a winner I was like oh he's disappointed he got runner up they give out the two runners up he didn't he wasn't one of the runners up but he's still like since place, he's, he's not in the future yet so he's still very hopeful Okay, so third place, oh, it's this other person. Second place, oh, it's this other person. I'm like, I, I, every step I was like, oh, he's going to, he's, What's he's he getting, gonna get? he's going to get something. He didn't get anything. No. But like, I was actually, <laughs> wait, but is he going to, wait, wait. Despite more or less knowing how it turned out, because he didn't come in and say, man, I didn't get first place. You know, I did, I placed third, but like, no, he came in and said he didn't win. Mm-hmm. But my assumption, maybe based on okay, the whole like participation trophy exactly. complaint and all of that, or or your standard storytelling te- techniques or something, I was like, oh, he won something. He just wasn't the best. No, he didn't get recognized at, at all. all. But the- what was the most important thing that happened after he had that? Fun. No. Yes, you're right. But what was the other thing? Do you remember? I don't know. Mister Rogers asked, "Did you learn anything?" Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I learned a new technique for making a flower with, I think, He said, did you have a good time? Or did you learn anything? He asked if he learned anything or did you get anything out of it? Something like that. So, yes, did you have a good time? That's kind of one of the more obvious. It's like, oh, you hear over and over. It's like, it's about having a good time, whether you win or lose. It's having a good time. But the one that you hear less often is, what did you learn? And he's like, you know what? I learned a new technique to make these... Uh, flowers using a gumdrop and uh, frosting, or whatever, putting it in the freezer, and then being able to use it later. Right? This mm-hmm. was a valuable experience, not just for the enjoyment part. Oh, I guess you mean like he might win next time because now he knows how to use this Boom. technique. And now that he's learned that new thing, that might spark him to do something like uh, clever like that one step further. And when he does this again, mm-hmm. people are going to be like, "I've never seen this before." Competition's good. Um, the other thing, though, I think in terms of the experience that you had, Kendon, I don't think that was on accident. Like one of the things the documentary talks about uh, by the actors is like there's no ad libbing. Every yeah. word we used was intentional by him, so we had to follow like the the idea. They did say and he it, get, he would get upset if you tried to to ad lib or something. Yeah, and I think like that was a very effective because okay, it's one thing to see two people talking and one person saying yeah I'm disappointed and then Mr. Rogers responding. It's a whole other thing for us to get a little taste of it and mm-hmm. experience it because I was disappointed by the end of that competition and being like hmm, and now they're talking about it and I was like oh now he's making me feel better about this situation and here's too. The, so it's like he's a character that's been around on the show before yeah okay but i don't remember him at all mm-hmm. i don't know him 
any other than like knowing that he's Mr. Rogers' friend, I don't know him better than anybody yeah, else but you're there. Invested. But I wanted him to win. I saw five other people who put their effort and all of this in. And I wanted And him I to was win. disappointed. Like they actually got to go home to their friends and say some I did something and I was, you know, uh what's it called? Recognized I won, yeah. for I, I won something out of it. But I, that's just a, I immediately have a hook into somebody who I've known for two, and three minutes. What? I didn't think his cake was as good as the others. I still wanted him to win, but I didn't think his cake that's was funny. as good. <laughs> anyway, so that happens, right? Um, it's because you, sorry, the last thing you, uh, uh, there's also more value when you have an idea of what was put into it and you can see that he, like, he really put part of himself mm-hmm. into it and you don't know. How much other people, they probably put just as much in, but maybe they just naturally nah, talented. I didn't think it that way. I just, I cared more about him because he was, he was somebody who I knew and I, I could see how upset he was about it in the end. Which, I don't to know. To me, means I, that he's upset because he put something into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that happens, right? And then he leaves and Mr. Rogers is like, I'm really glad he stopped by. It often helps to talk with a friend about disappointment. And I was like, that's true. Like, there's so often that I'm disappointed and it would be really nice to just talk to somebody about it. But like, you don't want to be negative or you don't want to do this or you don't want to do that. And like, as adults, we don't talk about disappointment too much or or no. some people do all the time. And then you're like, OK, yeah. this is a lot. Um, that whole but it reminded me. So it's funny because we were watching this week and it reminded me of I don't remember her name, but she tweeted, I think, after a competition with a <laughs> award show about her album and was like disappointed that she didn't win oh that was uh um, what's her name her album's good too yeah ari lennox there and like people like and she, i think she said something like i'll give up and just join the military or something like that but like people were on her hard about basically saying she was disappointed she didn't win and i thought it was so interesting that here's this happening right now that's the point like you're excited if you win which means you're probably disappointed like she thought she had made a good album a great album she was proud of her album it is a really good album and it makes sense she should be able to say that she should be able to say i'm a little disappointed and like people honest okay reaction so as somebody and she's not negative she didn't say like they didn't deserve it they didn't deserve it like she was not negative about anybody else she just said she was disappointed she didn't win and like the world today went crazy, and I'm just like, holy shoot! Because in 1980, holy shoot, holy shoot? shoot, you've been watching a lot <laughs> yeah. of Mr. Rogers. In 1984, Mr. Rogers had an episode about this, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I had it. a similar experience, and you guys are more into sports than me. But people really got on Cam Newton when they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I don't remember him saying anything negative about the other team. Like they were just, they're like, oh, he's such a crybaby, and I was like. These guys at the top, the top, top, top of the pyramid of athletes in like the world, and he lost this amazing, like this a game they could have won. A game they could have won, but the, the more the point is, this is the top of his career. Disappointing, and, and he's yeah. disappointed, and he's yet you're supposed to act like you're not. You're supposed like to you're supposed to, like, yeah, and be a robot. Be a robot about it, and I saw nothing wrong with him being like. I think maybe he was was he pounding the ground or something. I don't no, know. He was upset. He, was he didn't want to so, answer a bunch of questions. He was like, I don't want to talk. Which about is it. also fine. <laughs> like, anyways, Shalia's making a face about no, it. No, I, I, I don't quite remember it, but I believe it. Like, I don't remember that incident. Now, he might yeah, already like, be unlikable for other reasons for people, but in that moment, like, I could totally envision. The amount of effort it takes to be that high level of somebody 
sort of shit you had to go through, but also all of the all of that mm-hmm. to get that close to something and somebody else just out. Like I wrestled, right? I wasn't great or anything, but I had to put so much physical effort in. And when I when I wouldn't win a match, it was like God. All of like every bit of my effort yeah. in, and this other person was just able yeah. to do more than I Here's could. Here's the piece, yeah. though. I think Mr. Rogers would be like, "Yeah, you're supposed to be disappointed, or it's fine if you're disappointed and frustrated, and it's understandable. But you're also in control of how you express your feelings." And like he talked, to, you know, when he testified before the um, before Congress on getting funding, he was like, "Here's the song we sing about being mad, and this is what we do about being mad." And like that's the piece of like I think he's totally fine with. Cam Newton being upset and disappointed and mad and all of that stuff, but like you still have control and you're still responsible for how you you do it. Cake but, Boss didn't go like flip the table and be like fuck, I'm pissed. But, but these these I other didn't, cakes, I didn't see Cam I, Newton do no, it either. I'm, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't okay. remember what he did. No, he so I'm not talking about him like specifically. Tim, but what did he do? Just nothing. So he just was. Was he sulking? Clearly like, frustrated sulking? During, during the post game. Did he say congratulations? Like Cake Boss said congratulations yeah. to yeah. the other he people. He did all of the, the right stuff. He just wasn't for- like bright and excited. He was obviously upset, really short yeah, with the media because he was upset. I don't fair. think it's, it's irrational for someone to be upset. I'm I not think really right now. Like I said, I don't know sports, the sports world as well. So I think there's stuff outside, right? His behavior maybe in other places. People don't that- like people don't like the way Cam carries himself. Yeah, and he's, he's already getting that before. But not, not he's not, but he's not doing anything wrong. He's just right. very flamboyant, outspoken. Yeah, and so for mostly, I I was just watching the game and the immediate like people ra- like being upset with him. And you're like, I don't understand. I, I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. I'd be fucking pissed too. Anyways, the, your your story about or you guys is talking about because that's the Super Bowl. The Gram it was a Gram or the Grammy that she didn't win. No, right? it was like Soul BT Soul okay. BT Awards. But yeah. you know, kind of know what I mean. It's it's a championship of well, your, yeah, like especially for her album. Like it's one yeah. that she really thought she would have a good chance but only one person can win in these sort of competitions Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be disappointed because that means yeah like you said you tried you tried and you were invested and you felt like you were proud of what you had so i think that's really interesting and then so then mr rogers sends us into make-believe where big bird has come to visit i'm not i'm gonna skip over the like friend thinking that big bird is gonna overtake the friend thing and being jealous and stuff um i just want to go to lady elaine because Lane sees Big Bird's dry painting and is like, your painting is too big. <laughs> well, first of all, there's a lot, there's a lot there about big and how big Big Bird is. And right. yours is bigger than you, mine. You don't need to listen to this five minutes it's of insane. it. Like, it's really difficult as a, the sort of like adult who's come up like through the nineties uh, and a lot of potty humor and that sort of stuff. I as just, you're listening to it, you're like, whoa. There's no know. way. There's no way a comedian could not like just we could. I couldn't listen to it with a straight face, especially the second time around with Ken did. But anyway, I think that they meant really that he is a large bird. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a uh, golden condor. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that he had like mm-hmm. that he had a specified species. Yeah. And I like that. Why did I learn that? From? Because uh, Dave Chappelle King referred Friday to him as a t- as a as an eight foot pigeon one time. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but King King Friday actually asked, "Are you related to the something something something?" <laughs> yeah, funny. he just talks to him like a bird. Um, but no, Lady Elena is just like yours is too big. You cannot take it away. It's too big for the competition. You don't get to participate. And like Lady Elaine, just like I am the um, what did she say? The future winner of the yeah. contest. Or she like proposed winner of the contest. Or something. And anyway, King Friday comes out and he's like, Lady Elaine, you know there's no rules to this. And she turns out she's just really wanting to get the um, 
gold. Get, get less, or get less competition. Yeah, she she really wants to win. And they're like, there's gold? And he's like, I told them that the, the present or the award is lots of colors. And so in her mind, it's gold. Like, it was so funny. <laughs> Lady Elaine is my new favorite thing about Mr. Rogers. <laughs> she is hilarious. I think there's, a, there's something important there, though. There are people who would do that, and there's people who would hear that and actually not compete. Like, there is some people who will who will say things that will discourage somebody. Right. And you're like, actually, that's, that's, I don't know. That Where will never make it into the competition. Yeah. Like, yeah. You did yeah. Anyway, Mr. Rogers, pretty great. Yeah. Um, what are your favorite things about Mr. Rogers? Just his demeanor and consistency and his constant preaching of kindness. Mm-hmm. My mom always talks about love and like fear, right? And those two things being kind of opposite of each other. And when you do out of fear versus when you do out of love. And like, that's something I try to channel of like, all right, when I make this decision, am I making this decision based on fear of the consequences of what I don't do? Or am I doing out of love to like of the like what I'm embracing and what I'm trying to like put forth in the world, right? So I think that's really helpful. And I liked in the documentary, uh, they show a clip of Mr. Rogers saying how he believes that love is the root of everything and that like love is the root of everything, relationships, all of it. Uh, it's either love or lack, lack mm-hmm. of love, lack thereof. And I think that's really, really profound. Kenan, what's your favorite thing? Oh, well, okay. So my favorite thing, I guess, is that I've realized that this has influenced me even more than I thought. I wanted to bring on my, my, the influence, mm-hmm. which is, um, and, and Tim brought up Marcus. I have actually, over the last two years, uh, directly mentored six different undergraduates. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what Tim was talking about and a lot of Mr. Rogers ha- has actually been what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right. First of all, I have a bit of tap into that age, not because I feel like I am, but I remember mm-hmm. getting to college and realizing how much stuff I can learn, like moving to a new environment the excitement of discovery and all of that. And then also what, uh, how some of the people who were either mentors to me or like supervisors to me, I feel like, um, undercut me in certain ways mm. and me not wanting that to happen to the next generation of particularly scientists of color coming up or people in that. And so this has been very inspiring to me. Realizing that this is directly going back to mm-hmm. this show, so it's basics. It, it is, but yeah. only some people have the skills and are like intentional. So that's good. Yeah, that's basically my my, my favorite thing. I just I really liked. Uh, oh, actually, my favorite thing is the models. I like the train. Yeah. I like the models in Make Believe Land, and that they go onto a shelf. I remember liking that as a kid, mm-hmm. like seeing them on the shelf, and then. Um, because I like when people have like model train sets and not just the model. I mean, clearly because I like Legos, but then the model train sets would have the neighborhoods, the houses, mm-hmm. the painting of the trees. It's stuff that I, I do not have the patience for. Like but all, I like all those that, details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that his neighborhood is that. So when yeah. he goes from a location to another location, it's not his house. It, it's a little model of his house. The camera pulls out and it, it pulls back mm-hmm. into the where they're goes. going. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it, all, all of those little details I appreciate when people, I mean, it goes back to like when you see how they made the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Even like people who make these detailed little worlds, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, right? Because, like you said, take all of the things that make good television and take them away. And that's Mr. Rogers. Like 
he's like no super, CG or, like, yeah, or he's super like that. intentional about it but also like there, there's a lot of detail and also it's like very not cheap but like simple basic mm. stuff well when he was um, showing the pictures of the, the people fish. let's remember to feed the fish oh yeah like the on friends. that board mm-hmm. that board he opens up the little doors they're, they're not it's all just, perfectly no no they, they wobble a little bit and the people who are on camera mm-hmm. like they're not like super camera trained or anything they were just talking to Mr. Rogers. I like yeah, that. Yeah, when he was going on field trips. Yeah. Okay, one question about that. Did reading Rainbow copy of Mr. Rogers, like, bite off him? No. Because no, reading Rainbow... So, Mr. Rogers was 1968, and they uh, then, like, took some breaks. But, like, reading Rainbow started the year I was born, I think, 83. And um, I don't understand. It's that's probably basically Oh, I guess it's more about books. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it didn't have any of those other elements. It I definitely, think he reading would, Rainbow going on field trips. That's that why. He did have that. And I thought... Yeah, but this this and I think reading Rainbow honestly I think would have been uh, aimed slightly older, right? Because mm, I feel mm-hmm, like I watched a mm-hmm. lot at, of Mister Rogers even in preschool That's a good before point. you're reading, and the the stories of the books are probably I would say is probably more like seven or eight. Some of those reading Rainbow That's books, right? You're reading the books and explaining them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That it's a complimentary. They're complimentary, and, and definitely it would have been influenced, but I wouldn't say ripped off yeah. or anything like that. Which makes sense because they are they got along. Like LeVar Burton and Mr. Rogers like yeah. appeared on stuff together, and I think LeVar Burton narrated some kind of documentary about if him. I, if I, I could meet anybody, yeah, one, I think LeVar Burton is first or second as far as meeting a person. <laughs> Remember, I invited him to Cope South and he ignored my tweet. <laughs> ah, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I took it personally for a second, but Tim, why would you me, take don't do that? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> You are, like, str- you are a stranger. You're a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Who no, she's a friend. <laughs> she's a friend that he hasn't met yet. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm off. But maybe not going to that person's house. Yeah, maybe right, not. For the first meeting. Yeah. What is Club South? And I don't club anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't need that. Oh, wait. Other favorite thing is I loved, this is obvious and so I forgot to say it. I loved his shoes. I loved his entrance every single time. He like I always wanted to skip it because we have seen it. But, like, I love that he comes in, he changes his sweater, he does his shoes. It's a different color sweater. I love it. There's something about that. And they so often did that it I every my- single time. And I was really hoping they literally met with no exception. With no exception. And, like, I Crazy. change my sweater whenever I do that. Like, I like I think of him, like, Zip. yeah, so great. So House great. shoes. House shoes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for doing this with me, you guys, for the birthday. Um. I was between, so Sesame Street just had like a 50th, I think, anniversary or something. Um, I don't so think I could have sat through Sesame Street. wanted to do some Street. Sesame Street, but I definitely have been wanting to do Mr. Rogers ever since seeing the Mr. Rogers is like a pure like message that Sesame Street's a bit, for me, would have been a bit too low level. Well, it, um, it depends. I think there's it's a way we can ABCs. do it and we can do it. But like, I think this was really good in terms of like the foundation and the intent behind it and having uh-huh. somebody who's so clear about that. Um, but also, we will do Reading Rainbow someday. Uh, that's I, definitely on the list. That but. might be my birthday. Ooh, I like it. So, Jordy uh, LaForge. Mr. Rogers, is he a classic or are we past it? It's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. Come on, yo. Um, I forget what happened. I agree. Classic. Um, when we were driving last night, it was like somebody go after Mr. Rogers and Ken was like, I'll fuck him up or something. What happened there? Do you remember that? No, I don't quite uh, remember. Like, it was like, and it's true. Like, uh, there are some people and like, I will fight for Mr. Rogers. You know like, what's funny? And I think there are a lot of us who would. Yeah. Like, sum- I don't like, don't fuck with him. <laughs> the summation of, of what we kept saying throughout this whole thing is, summated in my mind by words he would never use because you're saying fuck him up is he gave a shit 
that is what I really I appreciate yeah. in people who give a shit about something. And he, and he was really cared. And he did. He made me feel special. And like when he's singing mm-hmm. the song, like I am 36 years old by the time this recording comes out. And he's like, you're great the way you are. I love you like you. I if don't I care look, about like your shirt. If I look I straight at Celia, like over the last day or so, <laughs> if I was just look straight at her and I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like, look, like you see what's happening, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. See? It makes you feel good. You want to have a neighbor like oh, me? Oh, your eyes. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's, yeah, he's just nah. oh, great to it's have pure. somebody who just like, and want you to feel good, right? Um, hopefully, I hear that we have like a whole bunch of entitled youths, and I hopefully we didn't uh, end up with people who are too entitled because of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I'm guessing that that's not the case. I don't think he's and I also, No. And I also think, I think if you're watching it right, because he is, he will have a straight up conversation with you. He'll be accountable. He's not, he's not a pushover. He's not going to just let you be bad. He's going to teach you. Um, but he's not going to like turn on you, right? You're right, not all bad. the best of what you can do. Mm-hmm. So, yep, pretty great, pretty great friends. We love you, just the way you are. Thanks for being our friends and our neighbors. I liked how you always said my TV neighbor. Yep. So these are our podcast friends. <laughs> I like it. Anyway, um, this is our episode that's going to then lead into the holidays, and this year our holidays. Episodes are Gremlins and Home Alone. Gremlins and Home Alone. I mean, so. I just watched Home Alone. What a wild movie! It right? is wild. Does it hold up? It's crazy how he talks to his parents, his mom specifically. It's also yes. a movie that would not happen with cell phones now. No, true. So, not sure which one's coming first, but that's what you can look forward to in the next couple of weeks if you're uh, looking for some holiday movies. Gremlins and Home Alone are what we're going to talk about. Stan, mm-hmm. when Kendon, what will we be? We'll be your neighbor. Aww.